never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that loves that every year we argue about what constitutes a Christmas movie. Well, we'd like to argue. What constitutes a Christmas song? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. (laughs) What's up? How's it going, man? So Pretty good, pretty good. Well, so I turn on 93.9, which in the Chicagoland area is the Christmas-only channel during the Christmas season for music, right? And it's just I turn it on in the car because why not? And couple christmas songs in a row and then they're like up next is the is the uh charlie brown christmas and the song is titled lucy and linus and it's the peanuts theme it yeah is, that is Honestly. not a christmas song <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> to which i brought it up to someone and they're like yes it is it is a christmas song i go no it's the theme to peanuts i know it's in charlie brown's christmas but it's not a christmas song <laughs> And then they started arguing with me that it was a Christmas song. And to which I said, you're also the person who tells me that Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> so you, you can't you're have st- both. <laughs> Your standards for songs versus movies is so inconsistent. Um, <laughs> I know. No, this is hilarious. Um, you actually, Drew, you did mention to me this briefly before the show. And I kind of pointed out that, like, that's like saying uh, Hollywood Road, the song from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, is a Christmas song because there's a sequel to that movie that's a Christmas movie. And it just it just doesn't work like that. You know, it's like the Harry Potter theme song, a Christmas song, because there's a Christmas scene in multiple Harry Potter movies. <laughs> like, I don't think that's the way things work. You know what I mean? No, so. not at all. <laughs> um but yeah i don't know um how anyway we are a couple weeks out from christmas but how are you how are how's your holiday season going uh it's it's going pretty good um yeah it's (laughs) nothing really too interesting to to report but just trying to make sure i get all those gifts in and stuff like that and uh, still doing my best like i did no yeah i I never do that (laughs) so i'm kidding it's usually I'm kidding, but I'm not, because I actually do start shopping in July. Yeah. Uh, and I'm done with Christmas shopping by Black Friday. It's really kind of interesting that I do that every year, but it spreads out the credit cards. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> so No, no, um, I, I prefer to have, like, my whole month of December to just be a, uh, you know, stressful bout of existential dread. And then, you know, just at last minute, I finally bought everybody's gift and I can enjoy, you know, that holiday weekend. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at least I was able to relax in July. I don't know. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, how about this? What have you watched this week? Let's not waste any more time. Yeah. Um. 
We're recording a little earlier in the week than usual, um, and I really haven't watched much, or I guess I should say I haven't much watched much new. Um, all I've really been doing is uh, any chance I get, I'm either watching My Hero Academia or The Boys, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, I'm on season six of My Hero at this point, so I'm almost caught up on the anime, which is pretty awesome, which has taken me too, way too long, but... Uh, it's one of those things like I just don't have the chance to watch it as often as I want. And uh, the boys, I'm still like within the like early episodes, but I'm just loving this show. Um, it's not the last episode I watched, but one of the recent ones I watched is the episode with the big uh, Christian festival that a lot of the characters go to. And uh, that was that was really crazy. But I just point that out because it's a good like way to kind of show where I'm at in the series but um I think it's funny because both shows are like the opposite ends of the superhero spectrum where like the boys is like this really dark satirical take on like the superhero genre and my hero is like this very uh sincere like uh at certain times wholesome take on the superhero genre but they both um both series also have their own sort of meta commentary on everything but uh, i think it's a fun place to live where you're both like the extreme dark satire of everything and also like the wholesome um sincere appreciation of it it's kind of a weird uh <laughs> dichotomy to live in between but uh that's where i'm at right now so uh right. but honest honestly that's about it for me i don't know if uh, you're watching or reading anything interesting at the moment so i checked out two new shows for me um, first off, I checked out, I'm, I'm very late to the bandwagon on this one. I don't, it's cause apparently it's been going for four seasons now and I didn't know that. Um, the show is called for all mankind. Um, it's one of the Apple TV shows. Uh, the image on Apple TV is basically like astronauts. I didn't really know what it was. I could have been a documentary for all I knew, um, <laughs> but it was on the, in the, you know, when you look at, you know how Netflix does their top 10 lineup, like top 10 most watched television shows or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apple does that too. So like it's like top 10 popular shows on Apple and it's the number 2 slot like consistently and I'm like, let's check this out. What's the show? So <laughs> yeah. Um it's been on for four seasons, so I'm late to the bandwagon. So if you've been watching the show and you're like, "Oh, Drew, you're finally watching this." I hear you. I'm with you on that. But at the same time, um if you don't know this show, this is what it's about. So it's about the space race with NASA. It is a fictional drama about the space race. So imagine all the po like when you watch the movie Apollo 13, it's that kind of stuff, right? It literally starts in the 60s with the moon landing. That's the first episode is the moon landing. It's the very first scene is everyone gathered around the TV watching the moon landing. And then it goes into all the stuff going on in NASA for the next mission and so on and so on. This is where it gets cool, though is when you're watching the moon landing first opening scene of the show and they get to the image of the astronaut coming down the ladder to do the, you know, Buzz, uh, the uh, Buzz Aldrin, you know, or the Neil Armstrong one small step for man. Scene. Yeah. It's not Neil Armstrong. It's a Russian cosmonaut because Russia beat us to the moon. <laughs> okay. So it is an, it is an alternate history show that is taken very serious. It's like a, it's like literally a space drama about the space race 
um, and Russia beats us to the moon, and then NASA's like, we gotta, like, do this, so then finally we get to the moon, and then Russia's like, well, we just put a woman in space, so they put the first woman on the moon, and then NASA starts, like, we need female astronauts, and, like, the escalation as the season goes, and now the funding, and now, then they've discovered that there's ice on the moon, so they're like, we gotta send a team up to see if that's actually ice or what it is, so they confirm that there's ice on the moon, which means water. So then they're right. like, well, now we need to put a base on the moon for people to live at and try and collect and mine and all that stuff. Like it's, it's kind of, it's becoming a science fiction show, but when it started, it was almost just alternate history. And, you know, it's really fascinating. Like if you know your space history, you're going to be like, oh, that's crazy. And be really excited about certain things that they're discussing. And then if you don't know your space history, you're just going to be enthralled with it the way you were when you're like watching something like Apollo 13. So. Right on. Yeah, it's, it sounds really cool. Um, I like those uh, alternate history scenarios, kind of like uh, in The Watchmen. It's like The Watchmen's like this world where it's like, what if um, Richard Nixon stayed president and how would that affect the world? You know, like yeah. that one thing changing. And uh, I think so, it's interesting to think about, like, would the world actually be that different? But uh, that stuff's like always super fun. So. Well, so that's the thing is that in this, Nixon stays president. Okay, and then, interesting. And then what's really interesting is um, Robert or uh, Ted Kennedy. Yeah, Ted Kennedy, who got all indicted with the uh, Chappaquiddick murder and all that stuff, that that whole nonsense. He's the next president. He gets elected after Nixon because and they actually discuss in dialogue that he skipped going to Chappaquiddick for the weekend because of something else was going on he's like on the news and I was like oh my god they literally just jumped over that how is that going to affect you know <laughs> that's cool that's one of those like if you don't know the history of the situation you probably could miss that too so that's pretty cool but uh that's really interesting as well about like um the thing is like I know uh JFK was very uh was very like adamant about us getting to the moon and if it went to like if uh richard nixon won a second term or whatever it was instead of jfk it makes me wonder like would we have gotten to the moon before russia so yeah really interesting stuff to yeah. dive into there you know um, i know that the first the first season so far has pretty much stayed within the 60s and 70s and i have a feeling it does stay that way we just got our first legitimate time jump so they like i'm like three quarters of the way through the season and they jumped ahead two years looking at just the images for the episodes in later seasons. Cause I did just kind of peek at the images. It does look like it gets to more modern era stuff. And eventually I know that the current season is like Mars related. So like okay. my brain was thinking alternate history in terms of the space race, not finishing is like, we might get to the level of, it's almost like, did the person watch the movie The Martian or read the book The Martian and decide, what if this was a show? How do we get from 1969 to where they are in the movie The Martian? Right. You know what I mean? That's kind of how my brain, I was like, I, I wonder if that's how the show was conceived. I don't know. It's just speculation on my part, but I am really enjoying the show thus far. It really uh, makes me wonder, too, about like when you think of like, Elon Musk and uh, SpaceX and then you have like Jeff Bezos and the sort of like 
commercial space flight stuff that he has been pursuing. I actually haven't heard anything about that in a while, but it makes me wonder if like these big billionaire personalities like that, that are really present in our timeline now, like, are they going to come into the fold on this show or are they not? Um, And then it's also like, if the U S didn't get to the moon first, like would Jeff Bezos be trying to, you know, research and fund like commercial flights into space? Like, would that even be a thing if we didn't get to the moon first? It's really, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of hypotheticals to sink your teeth into with this one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Uh, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. (laughs) The other show that I watched, and by the way, I did not know this was a show when I started it. I thought it was a movie. Um, I, I opened up Netflix and this, like, it was, you know how like Netflix will like open up and then they'll have like whatever featured preview. And, um, I'm like, this looks cool. All right, let's watch this. Thought it was a movie, turned it on, realized it was a show within like the first three seconds and went, eh, I'll give it a shot. So it's eight episodes that, and I'm two episodes to the end. Um, but the show is called Obliterated. Um, have you seen the trailer for this? I have no idea what this is. <laughs> okay. So the show, the trailer looks like an action comedy, like a military, like CIA type action comedy, uh, military style. Like it's, uh, And the trailer alludes to the fact that there's like this uh, a nuclear, um, like someone is threatening to blow up a nuclear device in Las Vegas. And the... Uh, team goes in, defuses the bomb, and like, hey, we defused the bomb, we got the night off, we're in Vegas, why don't we all just go out and party? And they get completely, like, drunk and tanked and drugs and blah, 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 like, completely, quote-unquote, obliterated, and then they get a phone call saying that that was a fake device, the real device is still out there, and they have to rally and go solve the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So that's essentially the show... I thought it was a movie thinking this looks fun. And then I started watching it and it's a TV show, but it almost has this real time kind of a sense. So it's an eight episode show, right? So the very first episode they have, it starts with this really intense, get the bomb action sequence and disarm it, which they do. And then it's the let's go out and party. And then it's like almost 45 minutes of them like you're meeting, you're now learning who all the characters are as they party and get drunk and wasted and drug induced and so on and so on. And you're learn and you're kind of seeing the comedy as it plays out. And then at the end, they get a phone call that there's a second device and they have seven hours. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's seven episodes left. So then it becomes like this real time <laughs> um, thing. It is the the show in general is absolutely bonkers in the best ways. It's incredibly action packed, which makes it super violent and it's super violent and gory on realm of like the boys. Um, okay. In terms of like in terms of the violence, it's like the boys. They do not hold anything back. They just let it ride. And so it's got that level of violence and gore. It is bonkers in the terms of the comedy because you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. Oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. 
Um, it is bonkers in terms of the nudity and sex. They're in Vegas, so things get crazy. Like they track this, uh, they track one of the buyers or whatever to a strip club, and it happens to be a male strip club. So it just goes from there. Like it's just it's so funny how everything plays out, and it's absolutely hysterical. Um, there are the female characters are all fantastic. The male characters are all fantastic. It's just really fun. And like the one guy, the pilot. He's like, I really think one of us should at least keep an eye on the team and not party. So he's trying to keep an eye on everybody. And he goes over to the table to have some chips and guac. And he's like, ooh, this is really good guac. And he, like, ends up eating, like, the whole bowl while he's just hanging out at the party. What you find out is that the guy made – when the guac was made, it was filled with LSD and something else. <laughs> so his his – uh his high doesn't kick in until like mid flight. Like he's dropped everyone off. So he's just on monitor duty. So he's like waiting for the pickup while he watches like a car to make sure it doesn't leave a parking lot. And it kicks in and he starts seeing this like weird little gremlin running around. That's like telling him to do all this stuff. And he's getting angry at the gremlin. So every time he tries to kill the gremlin, the gremlin is like (laughs) in place of something else. So like they'll cut away and you'll see that he just beat the hell out of like three bad guys where he thought he was fighting the gremlin. (laughs) Oh, nice. That's, that's it's fun. it's it's really funny. And they're like, you're completely compromised. You can't. He's like, no, I'm fine. I got it. And then he's like, and you think he's OK. And then you see the gremlin again. Like, it's... That's awesome. And, um, I really think I really think you would like the movie a lot or the show a lot. It's a lot of fun. I have two episodes. Yeah, I'll have left. to check that out. That sounds cool. Yeah, I have two episodes left and it goes fast too. like it, you think eight episodes and like they're all hour long, but it goes real quick. So nice. Uh, but yeah, that's those are the two things I watched that were new. I thought I was going to be watching more, but I didn't know Obliterated was going to be a show. <laughs> so, yeah. Um <Fun> stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Uh that's about it for me. Um I guess we could uh yeah, go to um the news. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was <laughs> was a little distracted while I was changing things on my phone there. Um, there is a bunch of news tonight, which is kind of cool. Um, first, uh, we'll drop this real quick. E3, Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3. The group that ran the convention shared, after more than two decades of hosting an event that has served a central showcase for the U.S. and global video game industry, the Entertainment Software Association, ESA, has decided to bring E3 to a close permanently the esa remains focused on advocating uh for esa member companies in the industry workforce who fully to fuel a positive culture and economic impact every day so we've seen a lot of we've seen a decline in vendors not wanting to go to the entertainment expo but is officially but e3 is officially done forever um yeah i i've never gotten to attend that but i think it's sad because because i like video games and yeah. I have, I have, have so many fond memories of, oh, dude, it's E3 week and you happen to be off work and you fire up the YouTube and you get to watch the press conference or all the video game trailers or the interviews with the developers because you're like really excited about the game that's coming out or whatever. You know, it's I've always loved that aspect of E3. Um, so. Yeah, and that's not something we're getting anymore. It sounds like, I mean, that's gone, but we might be getting the uh, 
you know, we might be getting like the, the individual press conferences from here on out. So, yeah, it's that's what I think it's going to be is you're going to have like each, uh, you know, each console company, um, different video game developers. They're all going to have their own conferences. We're going to have bigger and better um, Nintendo directs. We're going to have, you know, all this stuff is going to go on. But it's just kind of sad because I get why this happened, and I understand that, like, maybe E3 wasn't going to last forever, but it really does feel like the end of an era. Like, I used to love um, either, like, during the weekend or, like, sometimes uh, you would miss a lot of the updates at E3, so then during the workday on mon- on the Monday after, you're, like, kind of scrambling, trying to catch up on the news, or uh, I remember back in the day watching... Uh, G4 would always like cover the uh, E3 um, event like really thoroughly like they'd have like some crazy stream going all day you'd get to see all the different games and panels they had there and uh, I don't know it's just kind of sad because like yeah it is cool to see like if uh, Nintendo has like a really cool Nintendo Direct they release or if you have like you know I don't know if like Xbox or like uh, even like when you get into these uh, to the different um what's it called, like, developers, you know, like, I know Blizzard has, like, their own convention and stuff, but something about E3, where you have the whole world's attention drawn on this one event, there's something really infectious about that energy, and uh, it's just something I think we're gonna miss, you know, and uh, the only thing I could compare it to is, like, if they ever canceled San Diego Comic-Con in that way, like, if San Diego Comic-Con ceased to be a thing, it would be so sad, because you couldn't stay there glued to your computer and glued to Twitter and just reading every update, you know, you just kind of, you'd miss out on that. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's really bittersweet, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know it's, it is bittersweet and, you know, it's sad to see it go, but sometimes times have to change, you know, that's really all I can say about it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, see we have a we have some we have a bounce i gotta bounce around this list a little bit because it's kind of all over the place in terms of like i sometimes i try and you nice. know i try and keep things together like let's talk about dc and then we talk about dc um netflix has greenlit a live action my hero academia <laughs> i had a feeling you're gonna bring this to the table um okay well, you're the big My Hero fan in this, so let me read you um, what I have here, and then yeah. uh, you can comment. Um, although specific details of the live-action My Hero project remain unknown, Jobby Harold recently confirmed that it is definitely happening. He shared with Collider, yes, it is. Absolutely, it is something I'm working on and loving working on. I'm excited to do it and get it out there. It's a big one. And further noted, yes, when asked if it is a project, he is actively working on it. So that's really all he gave us. And I don't expect anything more because people don't talk about things unless they absolutely are able to. So you're the My Hero fan of the show. So talk. So I'm very cautiously optimistic about this. Um, I know Netflix just released their... um, their uh one piece adaptation and that's been getting really good um so good you gotta and you gotta give that a go dude 
Yeah, I absolutely do. I know they they also have a live action Yu Yu Hakusho adaptation that's coming out later this week, I think. So I'm yeah, curious yeah. to see how that goes. I haven't watched they have, the trailer for it, but I did see the trailer drop. So yeah, they have uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, their live action version of that. And so far, things look good. So I feel like we're seeing that Netflix can, at least from the visual, like the visual level of things, they can pull this off. Like, they can get the costumes looking right. They can stay faithful to the uh, settings and uh, just the production design overall. Um, My Hero Academia is... I kind of feel like this is something that should have happened a couple years ago because uh, I feel like the 2010s, like, the big cinematic vibe of, like, the 2010s was, like, superhero movies. Like, superhero cinema became the biggest thing in the world this past decade and i think a a live action adaptation of my hero academia can fit so well into that and uh maybe it's maybe it's a good thing that it it didn't come out a a couple years sooner because so many of the characters in my hero academia are based or are inspired by a lot of american comic book characters that we know and love so maybe i was about to just ask you if you thought it was late to the table yeah it it feels like late but then at the same time it's like maybe it's not because we've given people time to really get to know spider-man for example like the uh main character deku from my hero has a lot of uh close ties to spider-man when you look at his backstories and or his backstory and some of his motivations and stuff like that so i'm like you know maybe this is coming out just at the right time because of how much uh certain characters are influenced by certain american comic book characters but my biggest takeaway with this thing is my hero academia i feel like has kind of always been a pretty commercialized um comic like it's always had like a lot of merchandise um in japan it's had like live action play versions of the show it's had um weird sort of uh like really cartoony uh knockoffs they've had multiple anime movies in theaters it doesn't feel like um it doesn't feel like one of those anime properties that's really sacred like it doesn't feel like akira to me or berserk or ghost in the shell where they can really like ruin it (laughs) if that makes sense like it feels like even if this is a total flop it's not going to desecrate the main thing because it's always kind of been this really cartoony commercialized thing if that makes sense so i'm actually like really open for it i just hope that they stay true to the source material and uh yeah, they can. I think there's a lot of cool stuff they can do when it comes to showcasing a lot of these characters' powers and stuff like that. So again, I'm just ca- cautiously optimistic. Uh, my uh, my only other thought is I'm really curious if they're going to do if this show is going to be primarily a Japanese cast or if it's going to be an American cast or how they're going to handle that. Because if if they do do like an American cast, for example, I think they're probably going to have to change almost every single character's name in the show. And that'll be really interesting to see how they handle that, because (laughs) almost every character has a very, very Japanese sounding name. And knowing that like an American production is going to be doing this, I'm just like, I'm just going to sit back and see how they handle that. Sure. But this could this does have the potential to be really awesome. So 
Yeah, that makes sense. Your, I guess, fear on that one. But yeah, you know, I they have did such a good job. Like I know that what's the one that didn't? Oh, uh, Cowboy Bebop. I know that didn't pan out. I liked what I saw of it, but I know yeah. it didn't pan out. One Piece. I went in cautiously optimistic and was blown away. I've spoken highly about how much how good that show is. So, you know, um. I I'm I'm with you on the cautiously optimistic, but if they learned anything from One Piece, it's hey, that's how you do that right, right? You know, and so. and another way I could look at it is I remember a couple years ago, um, My Hero Academia being like kind of like the biggest name in anime for a while, and I feel like it's kind of fallen off a little bit in the last sure. few years. Like I see people online talking more about like Demon Demon Slayer or like Jujutsu Kaisen and stuff, and. I feel like maybe this might bring back a little more resurgence to my hero, which would be pretty sweet because it, it definitely is one of my favorite animes out there. So, um, yeah. but yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. All right. So uh, Twisted Metal, did you watch the show? Oh, man, I started and I fell off. That's another one I got to catch up okay. on. <laughs> I haven't checked out the show yet at all, um, but apparently it's doing well enough because they greenlit it for a season two. Right. Okay. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's all I got on that. It's, it's getting <laughs> what I did see of it was great. I just didn't stick with it. But uh, okay. it had a cool, like, almost like a zombie land sort of vibe to it. Like it was kind of like a really fun post-apocalyptic, like, action comedy, I guess. So that sure. was pretty sweet. Sure. Um. All right. Uh. Paramount Plus merged with Showtime. Uh, when Paramount Plus dropped, they kind of merged with Showtime in the sense that the Showtime stuff would be streamed on Paramount Plus, kind of like HBO Max um, getting their streaming service, like because HBO Go was a thing. And then they merged with, you know, because then Warner Brothers did the Max and we got HBO Max and I was just Max and HBO Discovery, basically uh, that kind of a project. So Paramount Plus and Showtime merged together for the streaming service officially um, as of June 27th. Okay, the merge officially happened on June 27th. So, beginning on January 8th, 2024, Paramount Plus is basically absorbing Showtime as a whole because now the cable channel will officially become Paramount Plus with Showtime. <laughs> um, weirdest thing in the streaming wars, but I, I just thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, so... It's so ridiculous. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with the streaming wars, but we went from HBO Max to just Max, and now we have Paramount Plus with Showtime. Is that what it's called? Paramount Plus <laughs> with Showtime. Yep. And I'm just sitting over here like, where's the fine medium between these things? Like, where can we get a brief, easy-to-say right. title without it being something that's so brief it's ridiculous, you know? Now... <laughs> Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the sales for Oppenheimer or physical media, the Blu-rays. And I thought that was really cool and interesting and stuff. And we talked about um, physical media for movies starting to come back. I am so glad. And I know I said this before, but I'm so glad that I have the massive collection that I do. And it's displayed and easily grabbed and organized. Like, it's categorized, it's organized, it's finding stuff. is Like, I could be like, ooh, what are we watching tonight? And actually pop in a disc. Um, 
we talked a couple weeks ago. I'm going to come back to my point there on the physical media here in a second. We talked a couple weeks ago about uh, some uh, PlayStation removing television shows from their network. And people who purchase them are basically SOL. They no longer have access to them. So they purchased them through the PlayStation Store, and now they're gone. Um, HBO Max just removed a whole bunch of shows from the streaming service. And people who purchased them on, the, on a streaming level, instead of like using the streaming service, so they purchased the digital copies, they're gone. Jeez. Like, they're gone. No access to them anymore, yeah. period. Gone. I've been seeing articles lately about due to the price hikes of the streaming services and the fact that not everything is streaming and the fact that they keep removing content from the streaming services, the Blu-ray sales, DVD sales and 4K sales are starting to skyrocket again. And people are literally scrambling for physical media because they're tired of the corporate takeover of the streaming world. And the only way they can actually enjoy the things that they like is to have physical copies to own forever. Yeah. And it makes me excited that I've kept up with my physical media for the stuff that I felt has been really important. We're like, I used to go into a store and see that $5 bin and walk out with 10 movies. <laughs> That's not the case yeah. anymore, but it is making me like, oh man, you know, like I'm, I need a hard copy of Oppenheimer. So I bought a hard copy of Oppenheimer, you know? Um, I just think that's awesome. So in this Paramount Plus with Showtime, what does that mean? And the only thing we can do is go forward and see how it plays out. <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, this is another one. It's just it's so crazy. We keep getting these stories week after week of these crazy streaming service issues. That's really a lot of just shady stuff going on. But then at the same time, the the sort of silver lining is that people are starting to embrace physical media more and uh drew like <laughs> outside of the last couple of weeks we never really talked about this much on the podcast but it's just kind of cool to see how much people are appreciating physical media and uh i don't know it's it's i'm kind of drawing a blank what else to say about this <laughs> like it just sounds like no, some really crappy moves but yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. And we might not have enough to say about them just yet for a little while because we just got to see how things play out. But that's just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's I, I just thought that was I, I had to talk about that real quick. OK. Um. Warner Brothers and Tubi have signed a deal to bring all DC movies to stream for free including new releases like the Batman. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know Tubi has ads and stuff, but if you're looking to watch some of these big blockbuster DC things, if you missed out, you're going to be able to now watch them on Tubi for free. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, there's some stuff going on with the DC universe right now that I'm kind of wondering what's happening. Um, it's like yeah. Amazon is kind of starting to dive into this a little bit and a whole bunch and i don't know if you noticed but if you turn on netflix right now there is a ton of dc films that are now streaming on netflix and yeah. i know and i know netflix worked out a deal with hbo to get some of their property over there streaming on occasion so there's a contractual thing but there's a ton of hbo content streaming or dc stuff streaming on netflix to that point which makes things crazy and this is going to blow your mind a little bit um 
Netflix is looking very closely at Rebel Moon, which at the time of this recording, we are a week and a half away from Rebel Moon dropping on Netflix. I cannot wait to watch it. Um, I'm going to have the house to myself that day. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get the kid to school and I'm going to watch Rebel Moon. That is like my priority that day. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> however, Netflix is rumor has it that they are very closely looking at Rebel Moon's performance and seeing how many people actually watch. And if Rebel Moon performs the way they're hoping, Netflix says they are actively going to talk to Zack Snyder about finishing his Snyder verse DC films crazy which means which means netflix is going to have to do some negotiation to get the rights to the characters zach snyder's response to this was if given the chance his response was absolutely no question of course right but of, of course I, he would say I, that I, right but I, uh, <laughs> like all the actors we all thought moved on and everything like what is happening over here with the dc stuff with james gunn building his universe and then if rebel moon succeeds netflix is going to actively try and see if they're going and and if if rebel moon succeeds you're looking at netflix going do what you want do you know what i mean yeah he won't have warner brothers execs telling him no it's going to be do what you want because of what happened with the snyder cut and then yeah. rebel moon was a Zack snyder doing what he wanted with no oversight <laughs> mm -hmm. you know so that could be crazy interesting. Thoughts? There's there's so much to go off to of. And, uh, yeah, I know. I almost feel like we could do a mini episode just on this topic. Yep. And that sounds ridiculous, but there's so many aspects of what you just said. Uh, one thing I will say is I know in the past there's been fans who have uh, speculated and said that Zack Snyder's... Uh, DCEU is not going to continue in live action, but what if uh, DC and Warner Brothers allowed him to do like a series of animated movies to finish oh. out a story? And uh, knowing that, that's a potential thing. Like that's something that maybe Netflix could do with him because, like you just said, like some of these actors might not still be able to be in the works. Like it's possible yep. that we won't be able to get ben affleck back or uh you know certain other actors um this is gonna sound like a tangent but there's a reason i bring this up and it's because i don't know if i understand how netflix works but a couple years ago at work um i was talking to i was like in this uh office room with a bunch of like there's like a couple of us and we were just like super into comic books and anime and video games and we just it was just like nerd talk, like 24 seven at work. It was awesome. But uh, one of my friends uh, from work was uh, during that time was talking about how he was watching some uh, anime on Netflix and uh, how related to that, he heard that Netflix wanted to be the next big name in anime. Like they wanted it to be like Netflix Crunchy would be right up like Crunchyroll and then Netflix or Netflix, then Crunchyroll. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, like up there with Crunchyroll and animation. And the reason I bring that up, because you look at now, like this is a few years after that, but we're talking about Netflix with their one piece live action show. And uh, they have like the Castlevania series. They have um, a bunch of other like 
pretty prominent animes that they've sort of imported from Japan. And they kind of are one of the big names in anime. And the reason I say I don't know how Netflix works, because I feel like they just say they're going to do something and then they just do it. Right. And I don't (laughs) what I don't understand is then you hear like these like YouTubers and stuff saying like that Netflix doesn't have the amount of money to do what they do or they don't know, understand how it works from a financial situation. And that's what I don't understand either. But if Netflix is toying with this idea with Jack, Zack Snyder to like let him continue the DCEU, that's really interesting because in a couple of years, you never know, we might be like, well, they actually pulled this off. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know. So I guess we'll have to see how it all plays out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, Also in the DC news. Yeah, we're getting close to the end here. Also in DC news, uh, Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, has been cast as Maxwell Lord in James Gunn's DCU. Uh, Oh, weird. (laughs) I I don't think we were all shocked. We're not shocked that um, we're not shocked that Sean Gunn is in one of the DC movies, because um, they work together. He always puts his brother in everything, right? Uh, yeah. It's kind of like Sam Raimi always puts his brother in everything, too. So um, that's that's just how it happens. The having just, Maxwell having what? Oh, keep keep going, because I think you're about to say what my what I'm thinking of here. So, <laughs> oh, I don't I don't know if I am or not. I was just going to say with Maxwell Lord being in the uh, DCU, that raises a lot of questions to me. In terms of what the plan is, is they going to go full Maxwell Lord um, the way it was when uh, he like took over Superman, for example? Is that going to be is like mentally like that whole like mind control thing with Superman? Are we going that route? Are we going to like what is actually going to happen with Maxwell Lord? And that has me raising questions, but that's just me, the comic book fanboy reading a lot. Um, but I think that's awesome that the character's in. I'm okay with the casting. I'm I'm okay with the casting. I think I would have picked something different, to be completely honest. That's, and that's what I was going to say, is it's just, Sean Gunn as an actor playing Maxwell Lord seems, it seems unusual. Like, I'm trying to picture him as, like, the conniving businessman that Max maxwell lord is and uh thinking about how like pedro pascal played him in uh wonder woman or how that character was depicted in the supergirl show and stuff it's just i'm cautiously optimistic about this one but that's why i said weird was just because it's sean gunn and i feel like he's always he always plays more like these really oddball character actor sort of roles and so that's kind of i'm really curious how they play this off you know yeah agreed now, Zachary Levi might have shot himself in the foot in terms of uh, his DC career because he um, had some called out James Gunn about his nepotism and always casting his family members in movies. It was basically, uh, I guess if you are related to James Gunn, you can be whatever you want. Yeah, those kind of comments don't go very well. Um, so I... I don't know what that means. I don't know. It could have been taken out of context. Um, to, to me, it sounds like um, he's probably already gotten the memo that he's pretty much not going to be playing Shazam anymore. And so he's just being honest. Yeah. And uh, when I heard it, it kind of like that kind of hurt to hear, too, just because 
uh, Zachary Levi, like, especially after uh, the last time we were, we were at a C2E2 and we saw his panel and he was just such a cool dude. Like he was like, he he had such a cool energy on that panel. And uh, my, my favorite thing that he said was that as a kid, he looked up to Christopher Reeve as Superman and uh, Big with Tom Hanks was one of his favorite movies. And in the role of Shazam, he gets to do both. And when he said that, I was just like, man, that, what a cool sentiment and what a cool way to show that you really love playing this character. And uh, that was my takeaway from it. Just because we were at that panel, I was a little bit like, man, it just kind of sucks that he's probably not going to play Shazam again. You know what I mean? So. I know. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Mandalorian season four rumored to be a movie instead of another season of television. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, my, that is exactly what I said. Oh, okay. Um, you are not saying anything I don't agree with or disagree with. <laughs> um, it's literally like, that sounds cool. If you make it a movie, great. If you make it a television show, great. If you make it a movie that's only on Disney plus great. If it's a movie where I got to go to the theater, great. Star Wars <laughs> in the theater is always best anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know how true it is. We'll see what happens. This is uh, like one of the weirdest weeks of news we've no, had in a no. while. <laughs> um, all right. Well, weird. How about this story? Wednesday star Emma Myers, that's the girl who played the little werewolf roommate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is teaming up with Jason Momoa for a movie. Any guesses? I can't wait to hear what you even guess. Or if you just kind of go, I don't know, please tell me. Um, I'd and, go for it. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be a live-action Minecraft movie. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Not in all the direction I was going in my head, so... <laughs> Jason Momoa and Emma Myers will be in a live-action Minecraft movie. I don't even know where to begin to speculate or understand what those words I just put in a big sentence mean. <laughs> um, so, honestly, we're, I, I'm not surprised the Minecraft movie is coming. Having Jason Momoa attached, not necessarily surprised. Someone like so, Emma Myers, she's a rising star, not really surprised. But to do it live <laughs> action, i that's where I'm like, what? <laughs> I think Jason Momoa is going to be like the typical Minecraft guy. And then Emma, My Emma Myers is going to be like his younger counterpart that's there for like the kids to relate to when they watch the movie. But sure. um this is another one uh, probably should have happened years ago. You know, why haven't they made a Minecraft movie yet? <laughs> well, and finally tonight, let's talk about the Golden Globe nominations have been dropped because we are getting into award season. It's Oscar push season and all that stuff. So I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to kind of re re uh, read just the main categories real quick. And then we'll talk about tonight's list. So best drama series, Succession, The Crown, The Diplomat, Last of Us, um, 1923, The Morning Show. Um, I think it's great that I've watched some of these. A lot of times, it's sometimes it's like, oh, I didn't watch any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, comedy series, Abbott Elementary, Barry, Jury Duty, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and The Bear. Um, awesome. Uh, best comedy film, Air, American Fiction, Barbie, May, December, Poor Things, and The Holdovers. Um, I really wanted to see The Holdovers. I just haven't had a chance to watch that yet. And Air was phenomenal. And I'm not surprised Barbie's on the list. So, Right, right. 
Um, and then, oops, hold on a second. And then best drama film um, is Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, which I really want to watch, Maestro. That looks fantastic. That's going to be on Netflix in like a week, uh, like right before uh, Rebel Moon. So I'll probably try and get both of them in. Maestro, uh, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and Zone of Interest. So Okay, cool. So the Golden Globes isn't the best um, barometer for what the – it's not the best barometer for what the – Oscars are going to be, but it's yes. a kind of a good indicator to say, hey, that might be what we're looking at. So I think I think the Golden Globes, uh, in my opinion, tends to be um, a better barometer for the movies that like the normie audiences out there like. And I feel like the Oscars is a lot more of that sort of like high art, like indie art house genre of things. Sure. But I feel like the Golden Globe, like. I feel like they always have like Barbie, one of the biggest movies of the year. Like, of course, that's going to be nominated. And I feel like Golden Globe does seem to be like on the pulse in that way a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good list. So, yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this? Speaking of lists, why don't we talk about tonight's list, shall we? For sure. All right. We're going to roll the thing and be right back. the top five all right peter um here we are um it is uh i'm making this year pick tonight so i guess i gotta start first right is that how that works <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah um tonight we are talking about it's it's the time of year again where we got to look to our future last week if you want to take a look at our episode if you missed it we talked about our the most anticipated movies so the movies peter and i are most excited about for next for uh, the coming year, 2024, um, what are we most excited about for um, television in 2024? Um, I found this list actually kind of difficult to put together because I feel like there's stuff I don't know about and there's stuff I do know about. And it, it is it interest changing or is it just a whole bunch of cool stuff coming? Um, I don't know how you felt about this list. I do have one cheat on my list and I have two honorable mentions, but, um, otherwise I found this, it, it's fun cause it gives me like high hopes and I can't wait to see what we're getting in terms of TV and like actually like playing through it, but, or like watching yeah. through it, but yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, I don't know. These, these TV lists are always like, <laughs> mine are always jam packed with like, you're really big tentpole like Star Wars and like comic book TV shows and stuff. But then a lot of times at the end of the year, my favorite TV shows are kind of like stuff like uh, like based on a true story or like, you know, kind of like these random like comedy and drama shows that come out of nowhere that I'm just like that, you know, you just fall in love with. So uh, it is interesting there. But uh, I, I didn't think this list was too hard, but um most of mine are kind of unknowns, like stuff that we haven't seen, like even a first season of yet. And I'm just excited to see how the show itself is going to play out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, how many honorable mentions do you have? I have two. So. Two? All right. Um, I So I'm going to go first because I think I made you. Yeah, I made you go first last week. All right. Um, 
I was trying to stay away. Honestly, I was trying to stay away from the comic book shows um, because we're all pretty excited about them. Um, and we're all pretty excited about the comic book shows anyway. We're all going to watch them anyway. But I was trying to stay away from them just to see what else was out there. Um, but I ended up with two things on my list here. Um, the first one being the Green Lantern series. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it's actually coming out in 2024 because it's still slated for that. Um, but I really think there is something there for the Green Lantern series if they can do it correctly. And I know that's a lot of the, I know that's a lot of the, uh, points that people make is if they do it right, you hear that too many, too often, if they do it right. And it's not that I don't think they're going to do it right. It's the fact that I think there was more to be tapped when they did the Ryan Reynolds film where they didn't necessarily get it wrong. It's just. It was a uh, maybe it was ahead of its time and people didn't buy into it the way they hoped. Like and I say that because I think in the beginning of the Ryan Reynolds film, they did a lot of groundwork, which because they had to world build Oa and the Guardians and the Rings and why and all this nonsense. And I thought they did a really nice job of that. And then it was like the last quarter of the movie is where to me it kind of fell apart. Um, right. But. The world building part that they did at the beginning, I thought was really solid. And with that, even if you looked at that as a groundwork and you slowed it down a little bit to really develop, the show could be something really cool. Um, but I'm cautiously optimistic at the same time. So, yeah, I remember when that movie came out, people speculating that. Um, I remember, like, I heard at least one commentator speculating that they thought that. Uh, like you said, like the beginning or the first two thirds of the Green Lantern movie, they did so much good world building and uh, with Oa and the Guardians and especially the Green Lantern core, because it is a core group of individuals that uh, have these powers and kind of police the uh, universe or whatnot. But uh, the end of the movie ended up being just Ryan Reynolds, you know, like, why didn't they focus on the core? And a lot of people or at, at least some people I did see like talking about like they think the studio dumbed it down at the end and turned it back into like a solo superhero movie where they should have focused on the Green Lantern core as a whole and had like some crazy battle sequence with multiple Green Lanterns at the end. That could have been amazing. But if we're getting an extended series for it, of course, they're going to focus more on the core. They're going to focus on more of the... Uh, other Green Lantern characters we love and stuff like that. So that's going to be awesome. But uh, I didn't realize this was coming out this year. So <laughs> there's well, still that. Slated. It's still slated and that might change. I'm just, you know, so. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, what's your first honorable mention? Yeah. So my first one is another comic book pick. I actually went with uh, Marvel Zombies. The uh, Marvel Zombies, I believe, animated series is supposed to come out this year. And uh this one is an honorable mention because I don't really, for me, it, a lot of it's going to depend on the animation itself and uh, how that's all presented. Um, I was like, I'm kind of like lukewarm on the animation of the What If series. Like some of it looks kind of nice. Some of it kind of doesn't to me. And uh, I just, I kind of want to see more of the series. But as a concept, like Marvel Zombies is such a fun concept from like the comic book standpoint. So I'm looking forward to it. I just want to see more before I make up my mind on it. So, yeah, 
I hear you. And the Marvel Zombies thing, I think that could be a really, really cool thing. Um, I, It's kind of like, like the what if, to be honest, I'm not that excited for because I don't know if the payoff on the what if series was, I think, what they were hoping it would be um, when you compared it to the other Marvel shows slash movies that came out. I think they were expecting us to be a little bit more in on it. The payoff was great in Doctor Strange for sure, but... It just felt like I was rewatching the same thing with just a little bit different of a thing. Marvel yeah. Zombies is the departure. Marvel Zombies is an animated show is a straight departure from like, what if there was a zombie virus that hit everything? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that's kind of what I hope they focus on is just like, what if all your favorite superheroes are zombies? All right, go. You know, like I, I know it's going to factor into the lore of the M- MCU, but I'm hoping it's not too lore heavy and they really embrace the sort of like zombie, like B movie level of everything. So that's my main hope for it. I just want it to be like super fun to watch, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, all right. So my second honorable mention is Cobra Kai, the final season. Oh, nice. Um, okay, cool. And that's the thing. This is the fu- This is a series finale season. This whole show has been great. From beginning to end thus far, um, I really all shows have their ups and downs seasons. And even though there was some ups and downs moments, the down moments weren't down moments because it was bad or taking a different direction. They were down moments because they were building to something. And as long as you stuck with it, the payoffs was constantly amazing. But there was never anything in those down moments that made me want to, like, stop watching the show. You right. know? And it's been such a fun ride all the way through. And it just makes me excited. Like, even though I know it's the final season, it makes me excited to see what they have planned. So. Cool. Yeah, that's really all I can say about it, because and this is just like last week. It's short conversations on this one because we don't know. (laughs) And we're just excited for cool new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, So my next one is probably the biggest wild card on my list. Because okay. this could either be the greatest thing ever, or it could be the worst thing ever, and we really don't know until it comes out. But that is uh, Netflix's Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, I I love this anime series or animated series, and uh, you know the the uh, M Night Shyamalan movie had its moments, but I think it definitely missed the mark in a lot of ways. But if they can pull this off, this will be just so awesome to watch through, and I'm excited to see how they present the characters, how they present this world. I'm excited to see how much of the story are we going to get? Are we going to get the the entire first season? Are we going to get like about half of the first season? You know, it's going to be really interesting how that all factors into play. But uh, this one has the potential to be amazing. So again, <laughs> my main uh, motto this week is cautious optimism, I guess. So <laughs> that's what I'm going for. <laughs> I feel like that's a theme where like, that's what we're just, constantly focused on is optimism. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, in terms of constant, opt- constant optimism, this is my last of the comic book ones that I have on my list, and that is The Penguin. Right. Um, I was cautious, cautiously optimistic about this from the beginning because my whole argument is if you're giving us a Penguin show after we saw the Batman movie, why don't we just get a Batman show? That's the part that kind of blows my mind a little bit. However... Um, in the realm of things, uh, HBO likes to do those sizzle reels, like every like quarter they'll be like, they'll, they'll do like a sizzle reel preview, like, Hey, coming soon. And that'll be like clips of cool stuff. And it'll be like 
clip, 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 House of the Dragon, clip, 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 the Penguin, clip, 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 uh, Euphoria, clip, clip, you know what I mean? Like they're showing fast images of things. Well, in the most recent one, they showed um, scenes from the Penguin and it looks awesome. So it made me go, ooh, yeah, of course I'm watching that. I don't know why I was uh, being uh, being a naysayer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, that could actually make my first official pick pretty easy because I went with a penguin as well. Excellent. And, um, I do understand where you're coming from though, because it's like if we're getting a show about this villain, why don't they just give us the Batman show? But I think. The Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman film was was so good that uh, we can kind of give this the benefit of the doubt that this is going to be pretty cool. And if we're getting this sort of like gritty criminal underbelly of Gotham type of story out of the show, I think that's going to be really awesome because I don't know. You think about shows like Game of Thrones or like I'm watching The Boys right now and uh, a lot of like there's a lot of shows like that where the best parts aren't necessarily the action. The best parts are those sort of like criminal conniving sort of elements. And uh, I'm that's what I'm kind of hoping is that Penguin is going to have like that really excellent sort of like criminal underbelly world building where we're just going to be enthralled in this sort of like mobster anti antics of like the Gotham City underground if if that makes sense. So uh, this, yeah. this I think could, could be amazing, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. So I can't, I, yeah, I just, I'm with you on this penguin all the way. Um, all right. Next one for me, house of the dragon season two. Um, look, it's no secret here that I'm a game of Thrones fan and I love this world. Um, I want more dragons and uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> so um, the trailer has a lot, of wanting because it was just a it was more of a teaser trailer than anything like substantial in terms of what's going on but we know we're moving into more familiar territory more familiar houses we're moving into uh, a sl uh no time jumps um it's going to be more on pace to how the show proper game of thrones ran so so you're making me rethink my list <laughs> <laughs> And this has only happened once or twice on the podcast, but I'm going to retroactively put this on my list, too. For some reason, I forgot this was coming out this year, and I think it's because when I was kind of Googling, like, different lists of shows coming out this year, um, for some reason, I wasn't seeing House of the Dragon Season 2, but this is... This was one of the best shows comes out, of, It comes uh, out in the summer, so... Right, and, and this... The first season came out in 2022, I want to say. And I think it was like, in my opinion, for my money, it was like without a doubt, like the best show that year. So, um, yeah, that's going on my list. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, we're rolling through this list tonight. Um, hang on, I'm just going to just put hot D because that's what it is. Um, <laughs> like on the spreadsheet. All right. Um, I'm going to give you my cheat and get that out of the way. Um, my cheat tonight is Star Wars. Um, I say that because we're going to get four Star Wars shows this coming year. And, um, you know, we got Tales of the Jedi, Tales of the Jedi season two, Bad Batch season three, which could be the final season of Bad Batch, the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. Uh, Acolyte and Skeleton uh, Tales of the Jedi and Bad Batch, we kind of know what we're getting. Clone Wars style uh, animation, which has been fantastic on all fronts throughout. 
and then you throw in and Tales of the Jedi is even a uh, a short season anyway. Um, Bad Batch season three could be the final season for that show, which is totally cool. It's been so solid so far. Then we're going to throw in the Acolyte pre episode one Sith Empire. What's going on television show? And then we're going to throw in the skeleton crew, which falls in the Mandalorian uh, time frame of things. But it's so much Star Wars. I was like, I'm just going to write down Star Wars and just suck it up and say I'm excited for more Star Wars TV. So. Yeah, that's my pick for the night. So, yeah, I'll follow you up um, because I actually went with uh, the Acolyte as uh, one of my most anticipated series. Um, And uh, yeah, this one, I think I really wanted to focus on because it talks about how like. This series is going to be like 100 years before uh, episode one. Um, It's going to be like one of the last uh, stories from the High Republic era of Star Wars. And I think that's going to be really cool. But I think the Acolyte, I don't think they've released a lot of information on this one, but I feel like they've really teased that this is going to be really some like really dark uh, you know, dark force, like Sith sort of lore that they're pushing with this series. And that's what I'm hoping for is it's just going to be like that dark, juicy, philosophical sort of Star Wars feel throughout the whole thing. And I think that's going to be really fun to uh, delve into when it comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. And <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my, hesitation of my pauses is more me like thinking about the fact that I read the Darth Bane trilogy, which was so fantastic. And I read uh, the Darth Revan book. And um, what was the other one? Uh, not Blood Rage. There's something else. They, they, they have a there's, a there's a handful of books specifically about the Sith from like Old Republic era. And they're amazing. If you want to if you want a really good read read the Darth Bane series. It's Darth Bane, Path of Destruction, Darth Bane, Rule of Two, and then I am drawing a little bit of blank on the third one. Uh, Drew Karpishan uh, is the author for those. Um, It's mind-boggling because Darth Bane... So Darth Revan is the one that said Rule of Two. And the Sith Empire, he was like, no, he was the first Sith, and he said Rule of Two. Like, it's got to be two Sith, not more than that, blah, blah, blah. Master and an apprentice, that's what it's got to be. And then the Sith built an army and became legions of Sith. Legions. And then Darth Bane said, did some research and some digging and soul searching and digging into like old Sith libraries and Sith lore and all that stuff. And realized that Darth Bane was, sorry, not Darth Bane. Darth Bane realized that Darth Revan was correct. And then Darth Bane single-handedly wiped out the entire Sith empire. So it was just him. And then he chose his apprentice. It's so when you're like reading Darth Bane Path of Destruction, the first book, and you're finding out how they went from legions of Sith to how Bane like wiped them all out. It's incredible. And then we go into Path of uh, uh, Rule of Two, where you learn about his apprentice and all the teachings of the Sith and everything deeper into the teachings of the Sith. And then moving into the third one, which that's the one I'm drawing a blank on what it's titled. Um, But. Those those three books are so amazing. And if they're going to even come close to those books on the, uh, on this show, it could be astounding. Um, even, I mean, heck they could just stick around. They could just stay with, um, the Darth Revan stuff and I'd be happy, but it's so cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry. I went on a star Wars tangent there. My no, bad. it's all good. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> um, all right. 
So my second to last pick of the night, um, it's weird when we do these anticipated things because how quickly we go through them, but we don't have anything to talk about aside from we're excited. Um, my set, my next one is one piece season two. I don't know if this is releasing this year or not. I was trying to do some digging. We know a second season is coming. It might actually be 25 for this show, but I'm not a hundred percent. So, cause there were some reports I saw where they were trying to, they were trying to say that it was coming out this coming year. So we'll see what happens. Um, that being said, I was blown away by that first season I'm very excited for more. Um, so yeah, One Piece season two. Awesome. That's all uh, I got. <laughs> cool stuff. I'm uh, one thing I'll say is um, I'm scrambling a little bit on my side of things because I think the writers' strike has really screwed a lot of things up. Because <laughs> instead of putting my list together, I had all these uh, shows that I thought were like kind of confirmed for 2024 and i think some of them might be delayed because and i'll, yep. I'll i won't bury the lead uh, i put the alien show for hulu as one of my picks and i don't know if that counts because i was trying to quick do some quick research to see like when does the show come out and i was seeing different things like it's you know it's going to be fall of 2024 but then other things are saying winter of 2025 and I don't know if this one counts, but this was one that was on my list. <laughs> so, yeah, and I really, and I really, um, I know Aliens coming, but I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about it a little bit. And I thought about it, I'm like, Alien needs to make my list, but I was also like, I don't know yet. You know, they're saying it's cool. I'm excited for it. You know, so it made yeah, my yeah, short this... it, it really made my short list. So, yeah, and this one, I will say, um, I'm kind of in the same boat where I don't know anything about it. I just think it has the potential to be really great. So we'll have to see more, but it could be the greatest thing ever when it finally comes out. So, which is what we want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to just be the greatest thing. ever. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, man, what's your second to last pick of the night? Oh, that's, that's what I was going with was alien. Oh, alien. <laughs> yeah. That's all Sorry. Right. That was the one that I was trying to do some research last minute. Like, is it actually coming out? Because, uh, Another another one I was going to mention was the Welcome to Dairy show, which while we were going through a list just now, I saw that it's not coming out till 2025. And I'm like, crap. OK, I need my my list needs some live action or real time retooling. So uh, sorry about that. <laughs> You're fine. I'm doing a quick scroll back because I keep I do keep some of our things. Um, Alien Romulus. Hold on. I, I could have swore I had a thing where it was confirmed for next year. I'm just double checking real quick. So I'm kind of like trying to talk as I search and I feel like I've scrolled too far. So I don't actually know <laughs> if it's there. You're just listening to me talk about nonsense. Yeah. I'm going to stop making you listen to the nonsense. Anyway. Yes, I agree. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Forget what's coming out of my mouth right now. Um, all right. So my final one for the night is fallout on Amazon. Nice. Um, I was blown like I was excited when they said they were going to do it. And my brain, as we all do, is do it right. And um, Lord of the Rings did not make it made me very cautious about what they meant, because I don't think the Lord of the Rings show was handled to the degree that it should have been. Um, it's not it's not a horrible show. It's just I don't think it was handled the way it should have been. And I so when I found out about Fallout, I was like, all right, well, let's see. 
and then I see the trailer for it, and I was blown away. And the other reason Fallout makes my last pick of the night is because Fallout, watching the trailer, even though I know the lore of the video games, and they're clearly going to tell a story that is going to reflect the game, but it's also going to be something new, is I really feel that it looks and feels, just from the trailer alone, like a breath of fresh air. Um, and something new and fresh and exciting. And a lot of times, that's what we need. And we need that original IP. I understand it's a video game adaptation, but it's it's something we, a, a lot of people, haven't seen. So they could do some really amazing things with it. Um, and that's where, like, I think the superhero fatigue comes in and the fact that you're just like, okay, it's another superhero thing. Where... Oh, we got this Fallout show. What is this? This looks different and interesting, and I got to check this out. You know, so Fallout is my final pick of the night. So nice, yeah. I think I think this one looks awesome. Um, my favorite part of uh, the Fallout trailer trailer is it presented to you this really kind of fantastical, like bombastic looking world. Like it looks familiar. It's obviously post-apocalyptic and it has its like dark attributes, but it also just looked like something that if you weren't a fan of the video games or maybe you didn't have the chance to play them yet or whatever it may be, it just looked like a world you could sink your teeth into. And it looked like there was a lot of fun characters and a lot of just crazy situations and creatures and stuff. And I could see somebody watching that trailer and being like, like maybe they didn't even know that it's a video game, but they'd still be like, that looks cool. I'll give it a shot. And uh, that's what I think is awesome about this, uh, about this show coming out. So really cool stuff. Um, <laughs> just for accuracy's sake, if alien, if the alien TV series, doesn't come out this next year i guess we can retroactively say that i would put fallout on my list to replace that but that's <laughs> that's something to worry about for another time um but yeah i don't know if you have any more on fallout drew or I, if i, I should don't. just go into my last pick i don't yeah what's your last pick yeah so um <laughs> i actually didn't mean for the to save this one for last i was actually saving welcome to dairy for last until i untimely saw that untimely saw that it was not coming out till 2025 but uh yeah for uh my last pick i'm gonna go with uh creature commandos um the animated uh series that's kind of spearheaded by james gunn that's going to be on hbo max that's about the creature commando characters from dc and uh this is a comic property that I'm not super, super familiar with, but I think it just looks fun. Like, this looks like a fun animated romp that's going to be really focusing on a lot of the more monstrous characters from DC. Uh, the storyline, from what I've seen, looks like it's going to be kind of similar to a Suicide Squad sort of situation, but uh, I just think this is going to be fun, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. The one sort of like production shot or still or whatever you want to call it that they've released for the show the one piece of art has a very cool style to it and i'm kind of curious how that's going to play out because it does look 
pretty distinct when compared to the other um, DC animated shows and movies. But uh, yeah, this is another one. Cautious optimism. Let's hope this one's great. So that, that is the theme of the night. I think that should make that the episode title. Uh, there it is. Cautious optimism. What does that mean? Um, yes. Well, that's our um, that kind of brings us to the end. So those are the shows and stuff we're most excited about for 2024. And uh, yeah, cool, uh, cool stuff coming down the pipe um, next week. Um, it is uh, our final episode of 2024 uh, or 20, 2024. It's our final episode of 2023 as we look forward to 2024. Um, we are going to do our Christmas episode next week. Um, Peter and I kind of laughed as we thought about what to do for a Christmas episode because we've done famous Christmas movie and, you know, stuff related to that and which how, how you got to keep it rolling. So next week we'll be doing our top five favorite Christmas villains. And what we mean by that is think about those favorite Christmas movies you have. The Wet Bandits could be on our list. Hans Gruber could be on our list. Uh, the Grinch could be on our list. Um, you know think about it you know what i mean so yeah the there, there is prosecutor, a, 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 the prosecutor from miracle on 34th street could be on our list the, so. pro the prosecutor that is so <laughs> funny um there is a debate about uh you know whether the grinch and like jack skellington are villains or not and we can get into that later well, um i also Boogie Boogie want... for sure is the villain of good call good call but is he more of a Halloween villain? Stay tuned in next week to find these things out. Uh, the last thing I'll say about that is uh, you can't pick uh, Art the Clown from the Terrifier movie series yet because he is going to be in a Christmas movie, but it's coming out next year. So we'll have to wait for that one, which is probably good because those movies are really gory and uh, crazy like that. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, how about this, Peter? You want to end this episode, toss it in the can? Uh, sure thing. All right. Well, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, along with our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. We love those five stars. Um, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and um, insert or X and uh, Instagram at Drew three nine two seven. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on X at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be talking about how you know eight pit. 8-Bit Christmas was great, but where are the sequels? You know, where's 16-Bit Christmas or low-poly Christmas or even Goat Simulator Christmas? <laughs> goat Simulator Christmas. <laughs> Farmville Christmas. Um, <laughs> right on. <laughs> Candy Crush Christmas. All right. Um, everybody, uh, we'll see you all next week for the Top 5 Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening. Have a good night. Thank you.